The following podcast, Bridgeport Stories, is sponsored by PSEG Power Connecticut. PSEG is committed to the communities they serve, transforming the way we think about energy by building systems that use less to promote environmental sustainability and a bright future together. Visit BridgeportHarborStation.com for more information. love that remake of the original song Bridgeport by the Sea it was a jingle made for the 100th anniversary of Bridgeport back in 1936 so we're enjoying it in a remake fashion and today uh, I'd like to welcome you and tell everybody welcome to Bridgeport Stories our show features guests from the community who provide fascinating stories that'll be sure to cap captivate from urban legends to historic landmarks, exciting new developments and insider profiles, prepare to hear it all right here on Bridgeport Stories. I'm your host, Frank Boris, and we're recording out of our studio on the west side of the city. Here on this show, we delve into the unique, the interesting, and the inspiring stories about Bridgeport. Get ready to hear the unadulterated story. Um, you know, it's not often that you meet someone who uh, has a history of bringing electricity into the room. I got to see it firsthand. This is a special uh, interview for me because I was a Kobe uh, student back in 1970, from 70 to 74. A couple of those years, our guest was there. Um, and um, after he left, he graced the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine on November 27th. In 1972, Walter put in the bucket. Luckett is our um, guest today. Uh, Walter, welcome. Thank you, Frank. I'm happy to be here. Uh, uh, you're bringing back some memories. <laughs> isn't that something? Uh, I hope your memories as are as good as mine because uh, as a new, I was a freshman when you were a junior, and as a new student at Colby, the very first thing I got to do was go to basketball games and, um, you know, being at the Sheehan Center when it was rocking. That was a place to be. Yes, it was a real, uh, I tell you, we had a lot of fun, uh, and the student body was there 100%. And it was just a good time in the early 70s, you know. Sports was uh, paramount, and everybody wanted to be involved, whether you were playing or supporting it was a good time. And also college was always the next step that was always being reinforced. So you're right, Frank, it was a real exciting time. You know, um, we could talk about a lot of things that people already know. I'd like to go back and, you know, I'm a, I'm a uh, fan of history. And so I always like to f ask people about their personal cultures and their personal histories. Tell me about your parents, where were they from? Well, my mother and father are originally from Bridgeport, mm -hmm. uh, and um, I actually grew up on the east side of Bridgeport uh, and uh, married early in life. Um, I had three brothers, uh, so there's four of us. In what the did family. your dad do for a living? He was a construction worker. And then later, uh, believe it or not, he managed uh, a physical fitness uh, 
uh, European health spa, believe it or not. Was yeah. he athletic himself? Uh, he claimed he was. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. didn't get to see it firsthand. Yeah, he, was, yeah he, he played all sports but didn't master any uh -huh. of them. But, but he was a great support base and always read the paper. He used to read like six, seven papers, so he knew all about sports. So, yes, he was very knowledgeable about sports. And his participation was, you know, minimal, but he was there to show us the way, and that was a great uh, opportunity for us to grow. Tell us about your mom. Uh, she's still alive. Thank you, God rest her. And then we, we uh, that's my mother. We were so close. Uh, matter of fact, I always call myself a mama's boy. Mm -hmm. We talk probably three times a day. Um, she's a wonderful lady. Her her sons are her whole life. Uh, great mom. And uh, really, uh, really respected her her immediate family. She had she has one sister that she's really close to. Uh, and, you know, it's just a, a wonderful opportunity for us to be raised by parents that really cared and shared. And like I said, I don't think they ever missed a game. Uh, and I'm talking about for all the boys. So it was, uh, you know, sports was always a big thing at the dinner table. We just could talk about, you know, our experiences. So collectively, we, we were very, very close and still to this day. Were you raised Catholic or were you not Catholic? Uh, I started out uh, Methodist, Catholic, uh -huh. and then I'm Baptist. So uh -huh. I kind of... Uh, but I've been Baptist for the last 35 years. But you were you went to a Catholic school, obviously. I went to a Catholic school, So yes. what was that all about? How did you get into St. Augustine's, or, or well, why? Well, believe it or not, we were playing Little League ball back in uh, Black Rock Little League, and I don't know if you remember the name, uh, Angelo Nacholi, who mm -hmm. was a fireman. So uh, he and my father were good friends. So we were playing baseball, and then, and he talked about George Fasola and this guy who was at the Sheen Center who really was uh, structured, a real uh, you know, sports was very organized. He says, I think your sons will really benefit from being at the Sheen Center and learning organized sports. So the, so the rest was history. We we went there. I was in seventh grade and then kind of just got that Sheen, Sheen Center When experience. did you uh, start sports? Were you involved in Little League? Oh, yeah. Was it Black Rock Little League was, was really where we started. Why? Because you were from Black Rock area? I born and raised in P.T. Barnum. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you're so, a P.T. Yeah. Barnum kid. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And, uh, and then you went to Black Rock Little went League. To, went to Black Rock Little League and... Uh, had a great experience. Remember Jerry Johnson? Yes. So we, the Black Rock Little League, uh, Mr. Pecan, uh, mm -hmm. Edwards. Uh, so we had a real great team. I actually were undefeated for many years. And I really thought I was going to play baseball. But then I just got the, the, the uh, I don't know, I just got the bug for basketball and, and then really put a lot of time and effort into that. And, you know, when you're working at the Sheen Center at the camps and afterwards, I would just take a thousand shots a day after the camp was over with and just really loved, loved just working and playing on my own. So are you saying it was at the Sheehan Center where your skills? Absolutely, yeah. When I was working at the day camps, and after the day camp, I would just stay there to the evening, just working on my game, you know, working on the fundamentals, uh, and then just work shooting a lot, you know. And I tell the kids to this day, you know, uh, the, the one thing about basketball, you got to really, it's uh, basketball players are made in the summer. You know, because when you're, when you're playing during the league, you're pretty much under a coach's wing. But the things that you need to work on, you should be doing that in the summer. And then when you come back, if you perfect those skills, it'll show on the court when you're competing. So when you were a kid, at what point did someone realize that mm, this, there might be something special here? Uh, you know, when you think about it, that's, that's, that's a good question, uh, Frank. I think uh, I went on a trip with Charlie Bentley. We went to Providence. We were playing against Marvin Barnes, and I think that that really I, that was my coming out. We went out. We were in. How old were you? 
I think I was 16, 17. Oh, so right? you were already. But no, I mean, I didn't realize that I had a future in it. Right. Uh, and I had, a, I think I had something like 69 points in that game. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden I was like, wow, this is something special. And, you know, so afterwards, uh, it just, the confidence just got, just came and I just really challenged myself and tried to get better. So it was then that I knew I had the talent. And then when I started seeing the letters coming in, at Kobe after my after my sophomore year. Well, your freshman year, you were playing varsity, right? <laughs> I, I, at Kobe. Yeah. Oh yes. You're so right. I mean, Lenny Lee knew your oh. coach. He knew that you were going to be special for him. Yeah. You know, I think, and but also the player needs to know that they have uh, potential too. Because sometimes, you know, today you could be satisfied with and not improve yourself. I did see some some opportunities to get better. And then I took advantage of it, and I think that's what happened. And I just really love putting the time in. I always say you got to do the work. My old saying at the camps is, if you don't go home tired, you didn't do, you didn't work hard. Right. And um, what happened that you developed the shot behind your head? Was it heavy? Was the ball heavy? Were you a skinny little kid? Why did that happen? That was a benchmark from uh, remember uh, Jim Fitzsimmons. Mm -hmm. He used to shoot the ball of his head, and and I and I watched it as a kid. I said, wow, they they really can't block this shot because he he extended his 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 jump shot over his head, and so I kind of adopted it. And I was left handed; he was right handed, so. That's basically what. But I got you would from. think that would be less accuracy with so much movement. Yeah, maybe. It, 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 maybe you would think I, that. You would think that, but if you practice every day and you work hard every day, the harder you work, the easier things get. What was it like to be in Bridgeport? Did that help you at all to uh, to be around the other athletes that this town produced? Oh, oh yeah, you know, when, even in high school, we had like seven or eight guys go Division One in my senior year, and. and and then you know the central team was with with uh, it was just a great team with Simo and Knight oh, yeah. and they, they, they Andre were awesome. and they were like number one in the country I believe you know so so yeah we had a lot of competition I think and that really made everybody step up a little bit mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but uh, the experience uh, playing ball in Bridgeport uh, it was you know and then you got the Franco Lennox of the world you know and Barry McLeod so and then you had Fairfield Prep so there was always a common- I remember Fairfield Prep. They're smart kids. They they had one guy in front of you and one behind you. Oh, you, you remember that? <laughs> I was huh? at that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, you got a great memory. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was a great experience. I I think sports uh, in Bridgeport will always be uh, something that young people could look take advantage of. Uh, but my true challenge now, uh, Frank, is really to get the kids to have the experience we had by, you know, being able to go D one. And I think a lot of the young guys today have to realize that you have to be a student athlete. So that's my mission. And my wife and I have been committed to uh, education, youth development, so almost four decades now. And she has a model. It's a Perfect 10 model. And basically, it's curriculum-based, job shadowing. And then it's teaching the kids professionally how to, to really understand what it's like to have a real job you know, put 40 hours in a week or or give them a unique experience that they normally would not have. You were fortunate enough to stay out of the, stay away from the streets enough not to let it swallow you up like it did with a lot of other players uh, who you, uh, your peers. Um, was it because of parenting? Was oh, it- without a doubt. I mean, I mean, I was in college, had my own car, my own room. When I came home, I never got a key. <laughs> I had to be home at 12 o'clock without any excuses. Uh, so 
Uh, and you lived in the Greens when you green. were in high school? In high school, yeah. And uh, the thing was that uh, my father was a strict disciplinarian. I think because I was the oldest, I think I got it the most. But, uh, you know, he was good for me, uh, and he was always there. So the discipline I, I, I embraced, you know, and I think that's why I got along with George Fasola too because they, these guys were disciplinarians. They, they allow you to grow, but they also gave you limits to how far, you know, they're going to let you in terms of your independence. So today, if a child or a parent has a child um, and they have some of the capabilities, meaning size um, and maybe some speed, that extra thing that you're saying is the hard work that you put in. Yes. So a lot of parents think their child is going to be the next, you know, uh, sliced bread. <laughs> Do you think that uh, we, we overplay sports sometimes because a lot of kids don't have that passion, but their parents seem to have it for them. Do and, you see that? Yeah, the parents try to live through their kids, too. True that. Right. And, but I, I do think, though, Frank, that uh, um, sometimes you, you really have to be a little realistic. And I think the first thing, and I think that's missing that we're trying to fill that gap, is that, you know, um, education is paramount. And, you know, I think part of, of you growing as an athlete, you got to grow academically as well. And I think that's the piece where they need to take more of an ownership to. Because once you establish that, then you can segue into saying, hey, you know, you need to put X amount of time into your game. But today, because it's so competitive with social media, all the kids are, are, are pretty much talented. But uh, to, to tell them that they're going to be the next Michael Jordan, that's that's a tough thing to, 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 to really uh, accept. Uh, and a lot of these kids think that's the only way they can be successful. So what we're trying to do is just really change that, that, that thought, that mindset, and say, hey, you know, if you don't be a Michael Jordan, maybe you could be uh, maybe somebody that works for uh, the, the, the Chicago Bulls in, internally. So there's a business side to, to sports, and I think that's where we need to really focus on because, let's face it, less than 1% of the, of the athletes make it in the NBA. And when I came up, I was a 26-player pick, the first pick in the draft uh, for the Pistons. But then I had a degenerated knee. Didn't think that was going to happen. But because I had a solid background and had a, a home to come to with in-laws who were in education and, and parents who said, hey, look, okay, that was a great experience. Now you need to move. Now you need to go forward and you have a family. Because I was married at the time. Now you have to have a family to provide for. So, you know, it, it, it's essential that you be realistic with what you can tell a young person how far they can go, particularly at an early age. What, what part does it play in terms of how long you played more than one sport before deciding. I remember being a, a, a sophomore at Kobe and hoping that you were going to be able to pitch for us your senior <laughs> year, but it became obvious that you were not going to play baseball because you had to focus on basketball. And also they had that rule too, remember Frank? Uh, they I didn't allow remember. you to, they, they had a rule that if, if you wanted to play in the Dapper Dan, Right. You know, that you weren't, oh. yeah. So that, I was disappointed with that. So that was one of the, because you were a left-handed pitcher, right? Yeah, yeah. And outfielder. You got a great memory. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes, I remember, because. Uh, Terry Truax, remember? Yeah. And yeah. you remember Terry Philo, your coach? I mean, Terry Philo. I yeah. mean, yeah, Terry yeah. Philo, yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, all right, so you decide, uh, at, at 17, It. I don't think it ever got to your head, because you didn't know me from any other guy on the mm. uh, in the school because you were the star of the state. I would venture to say you probably were the best 17-year-old in the world at the time. Uh, I know you'd never think of it that way, but if you really think about it, the United States is the hotbed of basketball, and you were 
on the cover of Sports Illustrated 18, and you were scoring 40 points a game as your senior year. So in my view, you were probably the best 17-year-old in the world. What kept you feet on the ground? Because you were always a good guy. You never, I Thank never you, felt friend. around you that I couldn't talk to you, even though I was a sophomore who was a nobody at the time. Uh, how is it that you were able to, was that your parents? How, how did you keep your feet on the ground? Well, just to go back a little bit, remember when um, my senior year, I did get the uh, high school player of the United States. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember. I believe that. Yeah, that's, so that that's doesn't why, surprise me. And that's why they, they picked the Sports Illustrated uh, cover because I, I, I was picked as the high school player of the year. Oh, is that right? In the United States. I still have the trophy at home. Wow, that's fantastic. So, and, I, and I took that as a, a real compliment to my efforts because. But how, do you, how were you able to stay humble is what I'm asking because uh, that's that's got to be tough for a kid. I think, uh, uh, I, you know, for me, uh, I was always a community guy, I, and I always try to get along with folks. I always think mm -hmm. part of uh, part of your being is to, to really, uh, you know, um, get along with people. And I thought the unique experience I had at Kobe offered that. When you think about it, it was, what, a couple hundred kids we had? Yeah. So you learn to, uh, to develop, uh, um, you know, uh, relationships, and, you know, um, people were supportive, and you learn to be supportive in our classrooms. We learn to, 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 to work together, study together. So I think in order to get things done, you have to work through people as well. So people skills was always something that I thought was important. And I worked on it. I was, and also uh, my parents kept me grounded. My father, I, when I really think about it, my father was really uh, the key to a lot of the things that made me successful as a youngster. Uh, he, he really protected me from a lot of the things that could have been uh, pitfalls. So you chose Ohio U, and I know that was always a question where you were going to go because you had the chance. Um, and you want to just tell a story how how you ended up at Ohio U? Well, Dr. Yannity, remember Dr. Yannity? He was an alumni from Ohio University, and uh, basically uh, I, I went out there at, at my sophomore year just to visit. We drove down to Ohio University, and I met Jim Snyder. And one of the things that was pretty interesting, and Frank, you know, um, um, faith-based, I'm, I'm, I truly believe in God. Mm -hmm. I think God is, is, is the light of all our lives. You know? Right. And uh, out of all the coaches that I met, from the Dean Smith to the Bobby Knights and everything, Jim Snyder mm -hmm. was the only one who talked a lot about the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that kind of stuck to me, you know. Um, and you, have a, you ever been out there? It's a beautiful, uh -huh. beautiful, it's like the Master Square Garden of, of the Midwest. Well, so it was a beautiful I, place to play. I followed you into the Mid-American Conference to play football, and I, I remember you coming on our campus, and be, you were jeered uh, mercilessly. <laughs> and I remember coming up to you, I had my Kobe jersey on, it says, I'm here to support you. Yeah. And then I actually went to OU to, to watch you play. I knocked on your door, you weren't home, but I did watch you play. And um, you obviously played very well, but my, that was a beautiful campus, a beautiful yeah. new stadium, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that it really fit my needs was that they had an excellent business school. Mm -hmm. They also had, and they were known for journalism. So um, it just had what I needed. Uh, and it was out there in the country. And, you know, coming from the city, mm -hmm. it was kind of a unique experience just being out there in the middle of nowhere. You know, like Stroud's Run was a beautiful lakes. And so it kind of gave me some a, some kind of a peaceful. That's Athens, right? Athens, Ohio. Athens, yeah. Ohio. It, it, was, it was a nice place to, to be a, a student. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I don't know if you know, but my wife gave up a Brown <laughs> University right. uh, 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 degree to come out. And, and we got married uh, at my junior year. 
And that was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, like I said, I think God created leader for me and me only. So, That's and we're, we're, we're going on 45 years of marriage. And uh, God bless you. so I think, um, so, you know, it, it was, it was a great experience. And, and Ohio University offered that because when you, when you go out there and you see uh, the school, I mean, basketball was it too. Football, we were marginal, but basketball was the big thing on a Saturday afternoon, the whole town, the neighboring towns would be at the games. You get about sixteen, seventeen thousand folks wow. there, so it was a nice place to show your talents. And um, you went out early. You did very well, obviously. Uh, what I don't know, you had twenty three, twenty four point average uh, by the time you graduated, right? 20, well, I did. It was twenty five my junior year, yeah. and twenty three, twenty three, and. And then twenty one something. So you you, you yeah. did just fine. Yeah. You you went out early, right? Right. I left early. And yeah. you went to Detroit. You had well, well, I was drafted my sophomore year by the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, you were. I yeah. didn't know that. I was drafted by the San Antonio Spurs my sophomore year. Oh. But okay. I decided to go back. Okay. And then my junior year, I got drafted by the Memphis Tams, and that's when they folded. The, the league folded into the NBA, and then I was picked up by the Pistons. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So, what's the Memphis Tams? That was the team that was in the NBA. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. NBA or ABA? NBA? I mean, ABA, excuse ABA, me. ABA, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, yeah. so that was an ABA team. I was drafted by the ABA, and then I was drafted, uh, and then at the time of my sophomore, uh, San Antonio Spurs was with the ABA. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so, they were very interested in me. So, I think I had some leverage, and then they fold. Okay. <laughs> the league folds, and then it ends up being the NBA. And then you had issues with your health uh, issues, right? Oh, yeah. The, the leg. Um, I just did not have an NBA leg. Uh, you know, it just, for some reason, uh, I had a college ticket out my sophomore year. And uh, I worked hard on building it up uh, throughout my college career. But the NBA, you know, just the the, the, the uh, requirements for NBA, you know, working out and stuff, it just didn't work out. And it was very tough to accept because, you know, I knew that, you know. Yeah, how I, hard was that to go uh, from being on the top to uh, saying, well, I'm not going to be able to do this? Well, when I see Archie Clark uh, and I see, uh, you know, Kevin Porter, guys that are like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and they're just going by me, it was pretty frustrating because I knew yeah. I could have, you know, took care of them. Because you had to play was, a two-guard, right? Yeah, but I mean, back then you were a guard. Yeah. yeah you, remember, you know, Frank, yeah. you, you, if you could play ball, you played mm-hmm. any position, but – I, I knew that I was a better guard, but, you know, didn't have the, uh, the defense, the physical uh, needs to, to you couldn't, to, you couldn't physically defend a yeah, faster player. Right. And that was frustrating. And that's something that as an athlete, you have to live with. Yeah. And sometimes people come to you and say, Oh, what happened? What's going on? You know, you, you just deal with it. You try to work hard at it. And then after a while I, I, I got released. I tried it. Well, and I went down to the Eastern. I league. remember you played here in New Haven. For a, uh, it was no, a Stanford. preliminary game, right? Oh yeah, we we played we played against the Knicks. That was Knicks. that was the yeah. game that I played a preseason game, but preseason, uh, yeah. but didn't really get to where I wanted to be professionally. And then after a while, after a couple of years, I said, you know what, you know, I got a mind. I mean, let me you know, buckle down and. Let me ask you about career. the psychology of that because you were our favorite son and you were carrying Bridgeport on your shoulders. Was that a and you just stated it, but uh, how difficult was that for you to say, okay, um, I, I did my best, and uh, but God has something else in mind for me. Well, you know, it's interesting you brought that up because I remember I was still trying to get back in the league, and I, I got in the car and I drove. Uh, we were living up in New Haven at the time, so I was going to get on the thruway, and I turned around and came back, and my wife said, what happened? I said, I think it's time to, you know, 
go forward with another career. And she, and she looked at me, she said, you sure? I said, yes. So then we went and got her undergraduate degree and master's and then went on to the private sector for after 25 years and just, you know, had a, I think, a very successful career in business. You were spiritually prepared to adapt. Thanks for Kobe. That's what right? Kobe, uh, Kobe You were did. ready to, even though this door closed, you were ready uh, to move on. Well, I had in-laws who were in it, who were my father-in-law assistant principal at Harding, John Holly. But my mother-in-law was the biology teaching at Harding. So at that dinner table, all you heard about was education. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to contribute to the conversation, you, you better have your, your standards up. So, so you continued your education beyond college. We got, yeah, we got our master's. Yeah, I know you. Yeah, we got our yeah, undergrad. Well, actually, I had to finish my, because I left early. I got uh -huh. my undergraduate degree in business management and got our master's in finance. And my wife was at my side, and we, we both did it together. So um, That's wonderful. So it's, uh, we, I, I feel I've been in a very special relationship with the Lord and also with my family. Yeah, and so um, where did you go? Did you come back to Connecticut? Yeah, I got my undergraduate degree at UB and my master's at University of New Haven. Where were you living at the time? We were when living, you got back from Ohio, you? Uh, well, we stayed in Bridgeport for about a year or two, and then we moved out to uh, North Haven, and then we're, now we're living in Hamden for okay. almost 30-some years. Yeah. So you got these degrees that you needed. Yeah, yes. What was your plan? Well, the plan was, and I, I, I moved on it quickly, was to go. I, I, I was working... Uh, at, uh, in Greenwich uh, for a special purpose vehicle company called Condec. And I worked there for two years as a planner. And I was my responsibility was to build a, a howitzer cannon. And I really took that challenge. But and then, you know, you I got a, a job offer from Unilever. It was Cheeseboro Ponds at the time. Mm -hmm. And I've been there for like 25 years. And, and then we retired and we went into uh, the, 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 uh, what we're doing now. with And when you stuff. came back... Um, what kind of reception did you get from your old friends after a few years, Frank, Barry, um, all the people you knew? Um, did you, you know, just jump right back into the uh, into Not the really. Life? Not, not, not really, Frank. Like? Tell I me was, about that. I was married. Yes. <laughs> so it's a wow. whole new different a whole new different thing. I, my responsibility was to my wife and, and, and to try to figure out how we're going to, you know, make it in life. So we were we were really focusing on getting our education and then trying to figure out what our next vocation so life would be. So you were mature beyond your years. When you graduated high school, how old were you? I just turned 18. You just turned 18. So you were young anyway. And then yes. you left college early yes so you might have been 21 20, 20 yeah huh? something like that so you were and we talked about your parenting your parents how they helped you and your spiritual uh nature that got you to the point where you were able to maturely move on so you're saying you were married you were in a different place yeah i think when you think about it you think of all the guys i think i was the first to get married and and you know not i still had friends i kept i kept in touch but uh the priorities change, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, working, working and trying to move your career professionally was a priority. Uh, and also supporting your wife who had a career. Uh, and then we were still at the same time working on our education because we were working towards our master, uh, you know, uh, degrees. So I uh, didn't have a whole lot of time to come back to the neighborhood. But one thing that I always did was uh, at least take time to go back to Kobe and, and, and say hello to the kids and We've always been community conscious. And then with, at our church, we do a lot of uh, volunteer with, with the church. So we felt that we did give back because I, I truly feel that when you're blessed, you share your blessings. Tell me about your feelings about Bridgeport. When you say give back, uh, you've chosen Bridgeport to do some of your uh, altruism or ph philanthropy. Uh, wh what do you feel for this town? This town's always been great to me. 
I mean, ever since I, you know, I, I can remember from Little League to, to high school to, to college, Bridgeport, the city of Bridgeport has always been supportive of the Luckett family. And that's one thing I could always say. I mean, um, you know, as far as the media, they've always been quite friendly. Um, people like yourself always had friends that I could see that I knew that was in our corner and, and the feelings are mutual. Uh, um, we always felt that, you know, uh, in your community, that's where you need to really get the respect from your. Are your, your brothers family. spread out? Are they uh, in the no, area? Well, I have, no, I have, there's only one in Bridgeport now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But um, no. Who's we, living in Bridgeport? Uh, Daryl, my brother. Daryl's Darryl, here? Yeah, Daryl's here. I went my to brother. school with Daryl, yeah. Yeah, and Norman's out in, in Delaware. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Larry's in Hamden. In yeah, Hamden. So, yeah, oh, he, that's wonderful. But he was a sergeant in the Army. So, yeah, everybody's doing well. Okay, everybody's good. Well. I'm glad to hear that. And your mom's alive. Oh, yes. Living yeah. in? Living, living here in Bridgeport. Yeah. In Bridgeport. Yes, yes, yes. So then it really is important to you, this oh, town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, and that's why I was saying that we... We've been very fortunate. Uh, we, we've had a, a wonderful experience with uh, the school system since uh, Dr. Johnson been into in play. Uh, she's given us the opportunities to really look at some of the things that we saw from the outside looking in and get, and had the opportunity to, you know, really uh, approach some of the challenges that we think that the kids are, are, need to meet. And we've been trying to provide uh, like a STEM, you know, the, the sciences or trying to work with our SAT preps, ACT preps, or, or even working with uh, um, just team building. Uh, you might have these basketball teams, but, but are they, are they unified? <laughs> you know, you know, you know, Frank, you let me ask some you a question. Yeah. Uh, um, do you think your experience is well suited to help these kids? Because here it is, you had, the whole world in the palm of your hand, and you've made the best of it. You have had a career in. So some of these kids think everything. You, if you walked into one of the high schools today and say, "Oh, not today," but I remember when I used to talk to the kids a few years back, they were either going to be a basketball star or a rap star, yeah. and there was nothing. They weren't thinking anything else. How do you help? Can you help them because of your story? Yes, we do. Because uh, one thing that I have to say, that and I have to give my wife a lot of credit for, and I, and I reinforce it, is that we provide uh, internship opportunities. But but there's a pathway to that. So we do about forty to fifty interns, and we have twenty two business partners that we work with, and we try to place them with meaningful work. But at the same time, while they're going through their journey. Tell us what you think you're interested in. We'll put you in that environment, and then you can find out if you can succeed or not. But the purpose of my question is, does your story resonate in some way? Can your story help them? Well, it has so far. Tell, me, I, tell me how that happens. And it's kind of self-fulfilling, but I, I think uh, for some reason uh, people remember. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I really thank people like yourself and, and people that grew up with me to say, hey, you know, this guy, I, I knew him when, and, you can trust him, and I think trust is a big factor. So when we go into the classrooms or when we go into the uh, after-school programming or when I have my camps, when I speak, they listen. And you prove that there's life after sports. You prove that you can be incredibly successful in something else. Oh, absolutely. But, Frank, at the same time, too, I can't take all the credit. Mm -hmm. The people that are around me. Have been so wonderful, so important. So, so right? when I think about uh, talking about professional development, I call it Unilever, and then you have the uh, uh, Latin. They have the African American, Hispanic networks come in, and they're excellent role models too. And they're coming because I worked there and gained their trust. So I think uh, collectively, uh, 
I can say, yeah, I have had a great influence, but I also had that support. You know, from from your father to Fasolo to Lee to all of the, all the of people them. that you work with, and I think, and, I, and and giving myself a little credit, I I think I'm trustworthy. Yeah, and I and I have a wife that's very trustworthy. So we we live by the rule that you know, God is good, and He's going to continue to be good if you do the right things. Right, right. I love that story. And um, in terms of what you're doing for these kids, uh, what's your hope for your typical Bridgeport? youth um, who may not have all the resources that someone in Westport has. Um, what's the basis of what you're doing with your foundation and with all the things that you want to teach these young people? I always start off by saying who wants to finish college, not go to college. Who wants to finish college? So I try to plant the seed in their head right off the bat. That they're already halfway through college. Right. And then while you're going through that journey, we're going we're gonna to give you the water to plant that seed. We're going to put water on that seed so you can continue to go forward and, and reach your goals. So we want them to know that they can go to college. Not everybody's not qualified to go to college, but we tell them education is paramount. It's, and then you should also, you got to realize that you have a brain that you need to use. It's like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the, the more you develop it, it gets better. So we, we try to deal with a holistic approach to education and youth development, not just, you know, throw the ball out there, say play basketball or rah, rah, rah. We, we challenge them to work on the things that they think that they are interested in. See, because once you and then reinforce it, you know, you do that by maybe providing core values and you implement those core values. And if they work on their core values on a day-to-day -day basis, there's going to be a change. So that's that's where I think, uh, and I think if you're there all the time too, Frank, one, one of the things that's interesting, if they don't see you, they don't believe in you. Mm -hmm. But if they see so you, you have there, to be present. Uh, big time. It's not just running a, a program. You actually have to be there. Well, if I tell you to do something and I don't know who you are, I'm, sometimes I want to challenge it. But if they see there and they know you're going to be there and they look forward to seeing you on a Saturday that, you know, or whenever you commit yourself to, then there's where you build that trust. And then now, then you can start challenging them and demanding things from them because you already proven yourself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean, Frank? Yeah. Is, well, what do you think about the, um, the, uh, the Bridgeport basketball seen today well you're talking to an old old school guy mm -hmm. first of all i think the threes are, are really something that uh, has really taken the game to a to a level that i that i'm still trying to understand because i think you know uh it's taken away from you know the the what i consider uh the whole game the x's because, and all you know, well you, you know you got you got forwards and centers out there at the three-point line they're not rebounding so you may not get second shots I don't want to get technical. So you think it's you. hurt the game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, obviously it yeah. would have helped you a lot had, had the three-point <laughs> oh, yeah. line been there. Yeah, but you got people now practicing threes instead of practicing layups. Right. I mean, we have a hard time. You know, we, we, we talk to them about getting, you know, laying up off the right leg. And, and you know, little, little fundamentals aren't being taught because the focus is now threes, you know. Uh, and then there's also the zone defense, which I think is helpful. But man-to-man, -man, if you can stick with your man man-to-man -man and work on the speed and, and you know, that's what that's what the game's all about. You know, individual uh, talents, but uh, along with, you know, putting in a little structure to it. So, well, what happened in Bridgeport? In your day, there were so many people going D1. I mean, it seemed like Bridgeport was the hotbed. 
what happened to this well, town? What happened to this town is something that my wife and I are working on right now. I'm telling you, the, the, the grades are, are really destroying these kids. Mm -hmm. uh, so they know, can't even get into school if they wanted to. We're working. Yeah, they, they need to. They need to. You know, have the, the the rankings in the classroom as well as the SAT scores, and, and then you could predict for a, a, a scholarship. And what's happening is that across the country, you got a lot of kids uh, that are, you know, that are that do qualify. So we're competing against. Uh, uh, That's true. Now there's more training. Now you just can't roll a basketball out there and learn to play. You actually have to. It's almost a year round. And then you got the European explosion too. You got a lot of people coming from Europe. They're coming in right into college. <laughs> but it's true what you say about um, about education because I remember going to flying out to Toledo with another player who remained nameless in this area, and um, he didn't get in because he was better, much better than I was. But he didn't get in because his education wasn't at the level. You know? and, and so I think uh, to answer your question, Frank, I think well, we got to also go back to parenting and understanding. I mean, not really. Got, it can be condescending, but no, you know, of I course think, not. Of but we need not. to. We need to. Uh, you know, PTA was a big thing. You know, my my in laws used to always have the parents come in and talk about where the kids are with, with their grades and stuff. Maybe we need to you know, get get that back to you know where it used to be, and I'm. Not criticizing what it is today, because I'm sure that there's a lot of effort. But I'm going back to the parents. Parenting is essential, uh, and they have to really be on the same page, because it takes a collective effort. You know, it takes a village, right? It takes right. a collective it effort. Does. You can't expect Frank to take care of your son, but you can sit down and work together and put a plan out. Mm. And we we've had losses on like Pudgy. Uh, we oh. lost Pudgy, and we lost people like him yeah. uh, through the years. Yeah, but I want to thank you for your effort and everything that you're doing. But can you tell people where to call you or where to find sure. out more about or how to contribute to what you're doing? Sure. It's uh, Walter Lucky Jr. Foundation. I could be reached at with the phone number. Sure, Two, if you want 203 to. 203-430-0898. Um, we're out of Hamden, uh, well, uh, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can uh, actually, you could Google it, our, our, and it tells you a little bit about our programs that we have in place. That we are investing, uh, invest a lot into Bridgeport. We're also in uh, five other cities, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we have a lot of summer programming that that's in place. Uh, I would like to shout out to uh, Booster Basketball with Bernie Lofton, mm -hmm. who does a great job with the kids on Saturday. Carmen Cologne and the group at Raffo Taylor Center, we call it Taylor for Success. So what we're doing is a lot of working with a lot of young people, getting them early and trying to get them to be prepared for high school. So uh, so we're pretty much trying to develop a career path for our young people. And I don't know if you ever heard of a gentleman by the name of Dr. Comer. He's out of uh, Yale. James Comer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's saying if you really want to be successful with young people, you get them early. Yeah. So that's something that we're trying to do. And my wife's been really trying to put some other things together that that are really exciting for our young people. And STEM is a big thing. So we got the little scientist that's working well. And science is huge. Uh, so And she got a lot of robotics and stuff coming into play. So, so uh, exciting. Yeah, so uh, I've been encouraged by her uh, her creativeness and, and her new ideas of to to, to uh, really bring to Bridgeport. Well, I, as a member of the Bridgeport community, I want to thank you and Valida, your wife, for all that you're doing in Bridgeport uh, from the bottom of my heart. And I appreciate you guys because I know um, you're doing it for all the right reasons. And uh, your story is a great one. I hope they learned a little bit about you, about the uh, where Bridgeport was on the map when you were a high school kid. 
And um, I just remember winning the state championship your <laughs> your junior year, my freshman year, and and being able to rush the court. That was the most. I think it was like Northwest Catholic you, or something, boy, right? Yeah, yeah, you are a historian. <laughs> yeah, yes, it yes. was at UConn That's at right. the old Fieldhouse. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that was a great day for me. Um, Chenoway, remember it was yeah. Chenoway, Dick Galliott. <laughs> Dick Galliott, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So God bless you and thank your you. efforts and your wife, and uh, thank you for joining us on Bridgeport Stories, and thank you, uh, our audience, for uh, listening in. Once again, I hope uh, you've enjoyed it as well. Have a good day. It's been a pleasure. The preceding podcast, Bridgeport Stories, was sponsored by PSEG Power Connecticut. PSEG is committed to the communities they serve, transforming the way we think about energy by building systems that use less to promote environmental sustainability and a bright future together. Visit BridgeportHarborStation.com for more information.